you know, you only get grit by falling down, by things not working out, by failure. You don't, you don't get gritty. You don't get more resilient because everything went the way you wanted it to go, right? Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. This is a community of women supporting women. Tune in every other Thursday to hear from SK Vaughn as she catches up with ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We'll cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, thought leadership, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you're a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. Let's do this. Laura Quick was born a storyteller. While she's been weaving stories and telling tales since her earliest memories, her true passion lies in helping others tell their story. She's able to do that so well thanks to her tenacious personality, wealth of knowledge, and perhaps most importantly, her willingness to first listen to others. Before she stepped into the lead role as head storyteller at Good Grit Agency, she was an international sales and marketing manager for a large corporation and launched Good Grit Magazine, known for telling stories to inspire the human spirit to persevere. Laura loves her husband, Shane, their two boys, Clay and Ethan, and is obsessed with Bear and Lenny Mae, her two dogs. Her passion for storytelling is only rivaled by her commitment to inspire women to find freedom from their mess by sharing her own messy story. She believes freedom comes from strong community, deeply held personal values, and creating and implementing healthy boundaries. She believes in always having an extra seat at her table and living the kind of life she is calling people into. Her mission while she is here on earth is to free as many children from poverty mindset as she believes that is what freed her to live a big, audacious, and full life. Without further ado, please help me welcome Laura to the podcast. All right. Well, I'm so excited to have Laura here on the podcast with us. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Excited to have you. So I always start the podcast off with how are you surviving and thriving this week? And so I will go first while you're thinking through that. And so how am I surviving this week? Well, I think today has been a great indicator of how my week is going. I literally was trying to rush out the door of the salon. I knew I had to talk and catch up with Laura, which I was so excited about. And of course, at the same time, there's like tornadoes and sirens going off all around me. I was like, huh, all right, this is definitely my surviving moment this week. And then how am I thriving? Well, I'm just really excited about fun trips that we have planned. We're doing some international traveling, just some things to look forward to um, as we go into this year of 2022. Um, And so that's really how I'm surviving and thriving this week. What about you, Laura? Well, let's see. I am, I would say I'm mostly thriving this week, but I've had some moments of survival. I got, um, I set this new goal for myself 
in 2022, no snoozes, none. So it was a cold turkey give up of just not pressing snooze when my alarm goes off in the morning, which means I just cut it off. And that's really cute unless you don't get up immediately. Um, Because if you don't, you will fall back asleep. And that's what happened to me this morning. So that put me in a little bit of a survival when I looked back over and saw that it was 7.30 and not 6.15. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So um, (laughs) that's how I was surviving. That's my very human admission that I've I've been like, no more snoozing. And it's really worked out great. But um, that was like a, oh, better get it together. Um, And then thriving, I would say just had some really powerful um, client meetings and getting some big projects over the finish line, really good team meetings, got to see my friends do some really fun stuff this week and um, achieve some of their goals, which I really love. And um, yeah, so that's it. Oh, good for you. And I can completely relate to the whole snooze fest situation going on because that is like my every morning. <laughs> I'm like, how am I going to get out of this bed? It's so comfortable. And anyway, I can completely relate to that. And that's awesome getting to see, you know, your colleagues and friends achieve their goals this week. Like that's a huge win. Mm-hmm. It's been really fun. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your background, you know, from growing up to then becoming the founder and CEO of Good Grit Magazine and everything else in between. Uh, This really is the most loaded question, SK, but okay, I'm going to try. So I grew up in a little town outside of Savannah, Georgia. Um, My, it was basically just me and my dad for a little while. My mom left shortly after I was born. Um, which was really hard, but I had amazing grandparents who loved me really, really well. Um, I left Savannah and moved to Florida for college, unexpectedly got pregnant with my son who actually became my biggest gift uh, when I was really like a sophomore in college, which was crazy. Moved back to Savannah to try and figure out how to be a mom and then really how to be a single mom. and was super passionate about having a career. Like I knew even as a young mom at 20 that I, I wanted to work. Um, and I had no idea what that looked like. So, um, I started working, learned a ton about my love for people through selling and like sales. So worked in the car dealership world, worked in corporate America, moved up the ladder very, very quickly, uh, was, ended my corporate career on a board, um, an all male board with all dudes over the age of 40, maybe most of them over the age of 50, actually. Um, and just kind of got burnt out and was in the air more than I was on the ground, was away from clay a ton and decided I wanted to start my own business. I started my first company when I was 29. Um, and by the time I was 31 knew that I wanted to start Good Grit. And that was kind of all, it all corresponds with like meeting Jesus. And, you know, Good Grit is not a Christian magazine by any stretch of the imagination. We talk about all walks of life and whatever, but, you know, my journey home, as I call it, um, and that walk home that I'm still on, obviously, uh, has a lot to do with the manifestation of what good grit is. It is about telling stories 
who have had not the most perfect life, um, not the most perfect entrepreneurial journey, not the most perfect marriage, not the most perfect childhood, not the most perfect, you fill in the blank. But instead, uh, when life kicked them or they fell down or they messed up or they were in a valley, they somehow picked themselves up and they did it with grace and they did it with a good attitude. And to me, that is what good grit is. And, you know, that's really kind of been my journey. And so it felt really natural to want to tell stories of businesses and people and organizations um, that believe that way, that choose to take the hard things and make something really good and beautiful out of them that give other people hope. And um, so that's how it all started. And that's kind of where we are. Oh, I love that. It's a very powerful story. And I just appreciate you sharing that with us. Your website mentions that the South has been begging for progressive and truthful representation of who we are and who we want to be. And that also pays tribute to the legacies worthy of moving us forward. So when you think about the Southern story, you know, what do you think of and, and how do you hope to be able to tell that story for future years to come? Um, you know, I think that there's great stories. This is what I believe about great stories always have a a beginning or a past, you know, they have where we are and then they have this vision of the future where we we're creating hope. And so like most people's past, I think the South's past has some messy scary parts right we did some things that maybe we shouldn't have we made some mistakes there were some big big mess ups um but then when we look at where we are now from where we came from how beautiful is it that we get to learn from where we came from we we get to make new choices and i believe and i've had an opportunity to meet so many people that are taking the beautiful traditions and moving them forward, but taking the broken down, beat up the bad things that we don't need to carry with us and burning it down and starting new and fresh. And that makes me really hopeful about where the South's going. Like I believe that now more than ever, people are looking to the South to decide what they're supposed to do next. And I think that when I was a little girl, you look to New York, you look to LA to figure out what I'm supposed to be wearing you know, what's my hair supposed to look like? What's the next new thing? And I think that the South is writing some of that story now. And that makes me excited. So that's kind of what I think about when I think about the South story. Yeah, no, I love that. That's a beautiful like representation of how the South is coming to be. And I think, like you've said, there's definitely some messiness along the way and we can't shy away from that either. And why do you feel like these stories need to be told? The thread that runs through Good Grit is we're telling stories of overcomers. We're telling the stories of resilience of companies, of individuals, of organizations who are taking some piece of some corner of the world, you know, and making it better. And they are defined by their good grit. And, you know, you only get grit by falling down by things not working out, by failure. You don't, you don't get gritty. You don't get more resilient because everything went the way you wanted it to go. Right. So I believe people, all people 
need to hear stories where someone had something really tragic, really hard, really bad, really unfortunate, really messy happen to them, because of them, by them, because of the economy, whatever the case may be. And instead of making it, letting it define them through the negative, they used it to power themselves forward, to hope for the future, to build something good. That's what good grit is. And that's the power of telling those stories. And the way that affects the world is it gives us all permission to believe that there's some hope in our story, no matter how dark, no matter how messy, no, how, no matter how unfortunate it might be, you can start now and you can make something really good and beautiful out of whatever life handed you. Oh, that gives me chills. <laughs> Just hearing <laughs> you say that, I mean, it really does because I think sometimes, at least I can speak for myself, is not everything is always rainbows and sunshine. And I think in the world that we live in, there's this expectation that there will only be, you know, the peaks, um, and not really the valleys or the thriving and not the surviving. But I think that, like you've said, the perfect stories, the perfect becoming is in, is in having those hard times and, um, it's okay not to be okay, but it's really powerful that you use, those setbacks for that setup and to, to inspire other people to do just that too. I think we're supposed to live in community in that way and lean on each other for that hope. And I think that's really cool that good grit is focused on that vision. Yeah. Well, thank you. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So throughout your entrepreneurial journey, you know, what have been the biggest lessons you've learned along the way? Um, man, there's a lot of them. I think it's hard to narrow to just one lesson. I'm, I feel like I'm, I still learn a lesson every day or try to. Um, but I think the big ones are, um, you know, when it comes to people, like the strength of your company is really rooted in the strength of your people. I will only be, I am only respected to the level in which I live out what I call people into. And so as a leader, if I'm asking anybody to get in the boat with me and row, I have to be a person that is doing what I'm asking other people to do. I cannot, I cannot lead a team of people and ask them to do things I'm not willing to do. They have to see me model the life I'm asking them to live with me. Um, And so that's been a big lesson. You know, I think that when I started all of this and when I first became an entrepreneur, I still had so much to learn. I still had so much of myself that I had to find (laughs) that I often found myself asking people to show up in ways that I wasn't able to show up in. And that really hurt. Um, So that was one. Two is um, boundaries, man. Professional boundaries are so important. And I mean, this just like, I deeply care for my team. Um, in both of my companies, I, tear, I care deeply for my team. Um, but their life is their life. And it's not my job to dictate what they do personally. It's my job to live a life that I hope encourages them um, 
it's my job to speak life over them. It's my job to give them good infrastructure and tools to do their job well, but it's not my job to save them. <laughs> and so, um, but it, I learned that the hard way for sure. Oh, boundaries are so hard. I'm actually reading <laughs> like three books right now, but that is one of them because you can ask anybody like, okay, SK, do you actually have boundaries? I have one and it's, you know, a specific one that I hold for, for professional reasons, but I think it's so important to have those boundaries professionally and personally, whether that be in a professional setting, your family, your friends, like knowing kind of where you stand in the midst of, of what people are asking of you. And this is going to probably sound a little creepy, but I love something that you recently said on social media about boundaries. You said that boundaries are actually a gift you give others and yourself. When you know where you start and stop, you can respectfully hold space for someone and not feel like the burden of fixing them or their issue. Um, that was really powerful to me because as someone who's seeking this idea of what, what do boundaries mean to me and why, like that was just really profound. And I would love to kind of know where were you coming from in, in that particular moment? Oh, I talk a lot about boundaries and I do, I've been recently giving a ton of speeches on it. And I think it's more about like, it's funny. Cause I, I would by no means tell you I'm an expert at boundaries. Right. But I will say I've been practicing them in a really unique way for the last I don't know, four or five years. And what I mean by unique way is I, I, I think sometimes that like if I asked you, SK, what are your core values? You could tell me how you lead your life, right? You could say like, yeah, I have some pretty firm values that I base my life on, right? They could be Christian principles. They could be, you know, um, just specific things. Like for instance, one of my core values is to own it, fix it, move on. Like I'm going to own my mistakes. I'm going to fix them and I'm going to move on. I'm going to keep going. And so values seem to be something that we, we know, but boundaries became this kind of elusive, especially for females. Um, And then boundaries became really hot. Like right now, I feel like boundaries are pretty hot. Like everybody wants boundaries and it's like, cool to talk about it. But sometimes when they're hot. They literally are hot, like an electric fence hot. Um, and so I, I started three years ago, every year I start my year by writing down my boundaries and writing down my value system. And as a woman, I think it's really cool to give your per- yourself permission to reevaluate the things that you believe, make sure you still believe them, make sure they haven't changed. And to reevaluate the boundaries because a boundary that you needed really hardcore when you were going through a bad breakup and you needed a boundary to like, I can't text that person anymore because they're not healthy for me, or I don't need to see that person. I need to kind of put some space there. Well, three years later, you might be married. You don't need that boundary anymore. So I think giving myself permission to reevaluate what I believe every year and to reevaluate where I start and stop so that I can love myself well, which in turn means I can love others well. And so those look different based on the season you're in. You're not always in the same season. You don't always need what you need. And so we're so busy, like, oh no, this is my hardcore boundary. And I'm never changing. It's like, well, you just don't, it's 
you just don't need it. You might not need it anymore. So it's like nice to give yourself permission to just think about things differently um, and to not get too caught up in what culture is doing, but really be kind. How do you live a life of kindness? And I think that starts with loving yourself well and loving others well. Hey friends, have you heard about Lush? Do you care about the types of products you are using every single day on your skin? A lot of cosmetic companies avoid this topic in fear of being found out. Lush believes in making effective products from fresh organic fruit and vegetables, the finest essential oils, and safe synthetics. I recently received a gift set from a family member and absolutely loved the overall experience. Let's make self-care a priority this year. Treat yourself and buy your next bath bomb, bubble bar, or body scrub from Lush online or in stores. Check out our show notes for more information. With each season, as you've identified these boundaries for yourself, what have you noticed the most about just kind of the ebbs and flows or the changes of those boundaries? Like, is there an example you can kind of shed some light on for us? Um, yeah, there's probably tons of examples, but I'll, I'll probably put that back on you. Um, tell me right now, you said there's one boundary practice pretty hardcore. Like, what is that boundary? <laughs> well, it's my age professionally. I don't usually tell people how old I am just because I am on the younger end of leadership. And, mm-hmm. you know, over the years, I've had to manage a lot of different types of people who are way older than me, right? And I think that there's a certain level of respect and authority that you have to maintain in order to continue to have that synergy with the team. And and unfortunately, I've made the mistake of telling people that age. And unfortunately, sometimes when people start thinking about age or experience, sometimes they can allow that a little bit of disrespect to come into the space because they feel like they've got a power over you due to experience or age. And so that's the one boundary that I have because I don't feel like it's really a topic of conversation anyway. Like the work speaks for itself, not necessarily the individual's age, if that makes sense. I lied about my age until I was 27. I literally told people I was 27 starting at age 20. And uh, then when I turned 27, I was like, what the hell am I going to say now? Um, <laughs> yeah, I get that. I will. Yeah. I think it's interesting. So I, I would tell you that that probably feels really important while you're in your twenties and you, you reach leadership early, but you know, when you get in your thirties, it probably will feel way less important. Right. So you, you may not need that boundary, but you also like age only feels there's only a burden of that age because you have this kind of, I'm guessing, I know we don't know each other that well, but there's probably a little bit of imposter syndrome there, right? There's this lie that if someone finds out my age, that I'm not an authority, but that's their shit. That's not your shit. That's true. I I do. I'm all about, well, I'm not all about imposter syndrome, but I definitely talk pretty heavily about that on this podcast because it's a thing, you know, it's something we all struggle with. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, like, I think that my boundaries change every year. I give myself permission to change my boundaries. They don't always change, right? You know, but I love giving myself permission to add a new one, take one away that doesn't make any sense anymore. Um, When I was dating my husband, you know, when we were just dating, we weren't married anymore. My boundaries look really different than they do now that I'm married. And so, um, you know, one that I implemented this year was when gossip pops up, I choose 
to circle back to in positive ways to the people who are present or I leave. I don't want to participate in gossip. So I have to have a place that allows me to feel good about being me after I leave a room or a conversation. And what I know to be true is when I am partaking in gossip, I don't really like me after that. I'm kind of like upset with who I am on the other side of it. And so, you know, when I said boundaries are the gift we give ourselves, it's a way to love ourselves well, which in turn allows us to love others well. You know, that's that's what I mean. It's calling myself to a higher place if I've seen that something like gossip makes me feel bad about me. Well, I have to be okay with me. My husband's affirmation, my friend's affirmation, you know, they don't know everything, but I know everything about me. So that was one that I wanted to put into play. And, you know, what's interesting is I, I read my boundaries every day, every day, every day, because they help me call myself to a high, higher ground to remind myself what I've committed to. Um, and they're always through the guides of kindness, not electric fence style boundaries. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I think that's important. I think you can always find creative ways to add humor to it too. Like (laughs) never like an electric fence boundary, but more or less just making it, you know, in a fun way, clear that that's not what you're wanting to share. I love that you mentioned the gossip situation. Cause I think that can be in a lot of situations, whether it be professionally or either with friends or family, I think that's an important boundary that you've set. That's pretty cool to hear. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. So I have to ask this, you know, what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, gosh. Hmm. I don't know that I can recall a bad, I mean, not that I haven't been given bad advice, obviously. I mean, people love giving advice. So, um, you know, I'm going to generalize this because I don't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I will tell you this. Um, I don't take advice from people that I don't admire. And so if I, if someone is offering me advice and I don't admire their life holistically, then I'm probably going to thank them for their input and move on. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I think that's, that's good. That's a good piece of advice for someone (laughs) as they're thinking through, you know, the worst kind of advice from those that they, they don't necessarily want to aspire to be. So I think that's a great point. Mm -hmm. So when you look back on your life, what do you hope to accomplish? Um, you know, I think my my legacy or my hope for my legacy um, is always going to be centered around like she was the girl who always had an extra seat at her table. She always made everybody feel like a somebody. She spoke life into people and um, she tore down old, broken down, repetitive cycles that were on her and her family. Um, and she made people laugh and she made, she made them feel special. That's, 
you know, I think that's the highest accomplishment. There's not like a, I mean, I hope my businesses outlive me. Um, and I hope my children are, know how to love well and feel loved. But like ultimately my own personal legacy, those are the things that really matter to me. I love that. So what's next for yourself and for good grit? Um, you know, I, we're just being good students of the people we serve. I mean, that's, that's kind of our thing. Like we, we listen more than we talk and, um, that's how you tell good stories <laughs> to be a good listener. We're story catchers and storytellers and, um, we're really thankful for the growth and, and for just people's loyalty and subscribers and, um, people who buy it off the shelf and, um, can't believe we made it through a damn pandemic but we're really thankful and so I think what's next is we really want to help um, cities all across the south tell their stories better to be more impactful storytellers to really own their unique thing whatever that is you know whatever they have to offer because there's so many treasures in the south and we're really passionate about helping cities um own what's unique about them and tell people about it and invite people into that. So the just revitalization of small, um, small city Southern culture is real important to me. So I hope we get, we get to keep having a seat at that table. Yeah. And my last question and my favorite question to ask, because I feel like everyone has a completely different answer, which I think is what makes it pretty special how do you define success? Mm, I define success by contentment. So success to me means feeling like I ended a day emptying out what God gave me to give to others and to give to my clients, my children, my husband, my friends, to be an encourager. And then contentment is to be thankful that I, that I am thankful for what is, um, that's success. Wow. I love that. All right. Switching gears a little bit. Now it's time for the leading ladies. We love rapid fire game. Get excited. <laughs> Favorite part of this. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Now I may have throwing a little wrench into this game. I've switched up the adjectives just a bit, but basically okay. I'm going to shout out some adjectives and I would love for you to um, share with us the first lady that comes to mind. Um, this is all about women supporting women. So are you ready? Yep, let's go. All right, let's do it. First word is brilliant. Mm. Shivani Kapoor, literally brilliant the most brilliant (laughs) she is the creative director we just named her partner of good grit with shelly and i and um she is a ninja she is the most incredible visual storyteller i've ever met my entire life she tells stories through creative design um and she can sit with a client and by osmosis somehow pull out of their brains and their hearts what the look and the feel of a brand needs to be and it it's just she's special she's a leader of people 
and I love the way her mind works and I just think she's amazing. Next word is resilient. Ooh, uh, Shelly Brown. <laughs> she's my best friend in the entire world. She's the editor-in-chief of Good Grit. She's my business partner. She is a single mother of five children and she has been through so much and you wouldn't know it because she has not let the things that happened to her define her and instead she has used it as fuel and I just think that's uh, the most magical thing about her. She's magic. Next word is compassionate. Uh, Clara Fearman. Claire is um, a counselor and well she's probably my newest Birmingham friend um, she's so compassionate I mean she is such a feeler and such a just she's just I mean she just was made to sit in the gap with people um, and do it with grace and beauty and kindness and compassion and I love it Next phrase, good grit. Oh, I can't. I mean, I'm not going to be able to say this one. I would say our whole team, like, man, they just, they live it. They, they walk it out every day. They live, they are good grit. They truly, truly show up and live the life of a person with good grit. That you know, resilience that comes from going through stuff, but they did it with a good attitude. Last but not least, encouraging. Oh man, Shane Quick. Oh, I'm supposed to say a girl. Oh, you can say, um, you can say your husband, right? <laughs> okay, I would say my husband definitely is my biggest cheerleader and fan and, um, I just love meeting men that encourage the largeness in a woman, like that he sees the greatness in me and speaks that over me and never, ever asks me to be smaller than I am. Ugh, I love that. Well, that is the end of the Leading Ladies We Love rapid fire game. Great job. Hopefully it was pain-free. <laughs> it was pain-free. Those are easy. I love talking about women I love. So, Yeah, me too. Well, Laura, it has been such a joy getting to hear from you and pick your brain. And wow, you are just an incredible person that I'm just really excited that I got the honor to speak to. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for asking me. I'm, I'm always honored. I love it. Yeah, but before we head out, please tell our friends how they can find you. What is your shameless plug? Oh, okay. Um, well, you can find the magazine, Good Grit Magazine, uh, at Good Grit Mag on Insta. You can find us at goodgritmag.com. Uh, we'd love for you to subscribe. We always have deals going, so you can check those out. And um, you can find the agency at Good Grit Agency on insta we have not posted anything but i promise we will soon um and i think like the, you know i'd love for you to follow along with me if you like talking about real life stuff then um i use my instagram to talk about real life stuff <laughs> as like a, a almost forward facing journal entry place so 
Um, and yeah, thank you for asking. Yes, and by the way, Laura's Instagram is incredible. Um, I'm always just feeling so inspired after just hearing what you have to say. So check it out and be sure to check out the magazine. It's beautiful and well done and worth the read. But again, thank you so much, Laura, and I just wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the Ladies Who Lead podcast? Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at the Ladies Who Lead. And don't forget to check out our website, www.theladieswholead.com. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.